Uh, George has him as a journalist. Um, George has him, uh, well, I'm just an ordinary, average, everyday guy, Mario. It's the best way you can describe somebody, it. Somebody, somebody, somebody. Well, nobody. Nobody. Oh, nobody. nobody. Like, you know, this guy no, with nobody sitting on a bus and then he gig butt, butts to everybody. But George, somebody with your tremendous and wealthy abundant experience in media and serving the politics, what drove you to you start your own production company, Forma TV? Um, look, that's a, look, you know, that's a very good question, Mario. Um, look, and I think, uh, you know, it stems back to my days um, when I was a working journalist. Yes. And then having, um, you know, worked for a number of years as a journalist and done what I've done, and plus also um, having worked in the roles that I have with uh, a lot of uh, corporations heading their yes. media and government relations departments, but also having worked as a media advisor mm-hmm. uh, in government, uh, that you you witness a deterioration in a whole range of uh, you know, you know, things within within the media. Yes. And I thought, well, it would have been about three, four years ago, I thought, you know, if we can, you know, it would it be a good idea to set up a, uh, you know, an online news um, platform, which would be global. Yes. That wouldn't just look at um, the same issues mainstream would look at, but look at different issues, yeah. hear different voices, get different opinions, and also um, uh, understand what, you know, other experts think, apart from the, the same experts that the media go to all the time for their views and, the, and their opinions. And and you would have seen, you know, during COVID, yes. a whole range of different views and opinions about a whole range of different um, topics and issues. And the media going to the same people over and over again, noticing the same voice, consistently being told, this, given the same information, when there are other voices out there that were of equal importance, that were of, well, I, I believe, and I could be wrong, yes, I'm, I've never been, you know, I've never not been wrong, but uh, who equally hold important views, important opinions, who were also important to hear from. And during COVID, you witnessed a whole, you witnessed a great deal of cancellation taking place yes. of different people's voices especially those voices that weren't running to the, the narrative of, of, of particular mainstream or to government, mm. um, the narrative that they were running or wanting you to buy. Yes. Now, what we're also seeing now is that that's unfolding. What's unfolding now, sorry, is a lot of the narrative that they were running were just lies. Yes. And it was a I scam guess. in many yes. ways. And people, for example, bought into it without questioning what they were being told, whether it was true or not. And whether there was any legitimacy in what they were being, in the messaging that they were being sold, because they ran on the basis of fear. Yeah. Yes. Well, you you you, you de- depicted this very well, particularly the past two years, we lived, I think, in in a twilight zone when it's come to the media, mainstream media, mm-hmm. and what I could have never understood that the mainstream media was uh, utilizing so much time to, you know, ridicule people, bully people, everybody who was against their narrative and the politicians' narratives, everything else. And you lived, you know, you lived through the most hardest, harshest period on this planet in the past two years. You've been besieged Melbourne for, for almost 400 days, which was mm. being, 
you know, uh, just blasted every day with the same news and same people on TV talking about only one thing, one thing alone. But I ask you, George, when we start seeing that politicians are not afraid of the media, you know, as a, me as a growing up as a kid, I was was being told, you know, our politicians going to be grilled by by media. They need to watch what they're doing. Suddenly, the no no politicians are afraid of the media. In contrary, you know, they become best friends. Maybe, well, there you go. You answered, you answered your own question. Politicians no longer became afraid of the media when the media failed to do its job, yeah. which was to question, to ask those hard questions, to get down to the bottom of what um, what government were telling them and to separate yes. you know, themselves away and not, and not end up being a cheer squad for government. Yes. So you see a lot of media now um, as the cheer squad for government. Cheer squad, yeah. You know, and interesting. <laughs> cheer squad, yes, yeah, that's correct. Eh? You're spot on on that one. Well, you don't think, you know, well, um, well it's true. You know, I mean, have a look at COVID and have a look how a lot of people, um, a lot of journalists refuse to ask hard questions. But may I ask you, why, why is that? You know, me as an ordinary, humble citizen, you know, I always wondered why the journalists... Uh, we have example with uh, with a uh, now current prime minister who was in the Perth at that stage and being asked by the people, uh, the journalist on a, on a, on a grass in some you know some RSA club whatever it was, and he avoided questions by saying uh, alliance of the media following me on this path on this road, only they can ask me questions. But why yeah. the media avoiding asking real hard questions? Why is that? They get some bonuses or you know they don't want how to ask. Or they're afraid for the being executed, you know, never going to get employment. Yeah, look, I, look, I think you've got, um, you know, I think you've got a mixture of things. I think you've got a lot of, you know, the highly experienced journalists that are no longer, um, that are no longer working within uh, within established media. Yes, I think you've got a lot of young journalists now. Yes, uh, that there. I think you've got the issue and that some. A lot of them may feel intimidated. Yes. Um, when dealing with government, uh, you've got the power of um, government um, media units that control the messaging. Yes. Um, you've got the challenge of uh, media now, where you've got uh, you know, journalists having to pump out stories quickly. Yes. And there's no real time for them to, you know, commit any serious sweat work. Yes. And describe it as that. To really delve into stories and issues. Interesting. Yeah. Could I ask you a simple question in related mm. to, in relation to your latest article, and I will just give you my. Did part. you like it, Mario? Did yes, like I did. And like, ladies and gentlemen, turbo resignation is Australia own town square execution. Now, I I was reading this article several times. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm inviting you, georgehazim.substack.com, and. I arrived in Australia in 98 and very first day I arrived in Australia, I fall in love with this place. And I understood straight away why they call this country lucky country. However, in your article, you say that you, you stated is descending into unrecognizable state of misguided and confused awareness. And it's no longer as lucky as it once was. What did you mean by that? All right. Well, um, our, our ability to have freedom of speech. Yes. What's come out and challenging questions, certain things is gone. 
Because if you raise an issue, Mario, or I raise an issue that may be contrary to a particular view yes. that, that's held by uh, a small minority that has a yes. louder voice, well, you run the risk of being attacked, don't you? Absolutely. And I look, I, I just, I'm, I apologize for interrupting you. I live in communism. No, that's all right. And I, in communism was a terrible and bad, but what I saw in Australia, it's beyond this. It's literally, you know, totalitarianism. You know what I mean? Mm. It's it's just, I can't understand, you know, and then your article explained what's happening past couple of years. Another question, am I allowed to be Christian and be public person or am I going to be executed if I have my beliefs? Well, judging by what judging by what the woke are telling us, yeah, uh, you can't have a religious belief, and because if it runs contrary to their views, <laughs> right? If it runs contrary to yes. their views and their opinion, am I allowed to swear on here, Mario? Yes. Can I swear on? Can I swear on here? Of course you can. This is my podcast. You can do whatever you say. Okay. Well, then fuck you. Is their attitude? Yes. Right, um, and that is just insane because regardless of whether you might be Andrew Thorburn and hold his religious beliefs not be um, that might be different to uh, what the beliefs of the woke are yes if he's not imposing those views or any of his opinions on anyone what's his problem what's he doing what's he what's he committed wrong now, I've heard some people argue that, oh, well, you know, the AFL has, um, you know, has uh, gay men and women playing, there's issue of transgenderism. Well, I'm pretty sure when he's, the, when he's the CEO of the National Australia Bank, he would have been dealing with exactly the same groups. Correct. So, so, why, so why, should, why should that exclude him from holding the top job at Essendon as a CEO and then have the then have the face and endure what he endured you know, in the twenty four hours that he had, that he held the role of CEO, and then for the Premier of Victoria to buy into it, it's crazy. Yeah, I never understood why the Premier was of the Victoria needs to be involved in that in in, in that saga whatsoever in the first place because that's mm. a sport it has nothing to do with the politics. But it was interesting reflection in in your article, which I truly admiring what and how he describes. So, ladies and gentlemen, feel free to come on the georgehazim.com substack.com and you're going to find the George uh, George newsletter so feel free to subscribe so George what's it, what are you seeing in, in Australia in on a social level what's going to happen in the next 12 months you think that we're going to go that woke continuously or you think that people are going to say well you know I mean let's go let's go try to reinstate some of our opinions because obviously we cannot have opinions in public if you don't have opinions in public you go uh, against certain groups and you'll be literally stamped out you know you'll be outcasted of society and the mainstream media is just looking for those you know articles and those medias and videos and posts to somebody name and shame well look you know what um look i look i think the woke have captured a, a narrative yes. already now. And, you know, I, I think it's incumbent on, you know, on every fair-minded Australian that, yes. that, there's a, a, that they push back. Yes. Because in the end, um, if you can't have the right of free speech, 
then, or you can't have the right to express a view or an opinion, then you do live in a totalitarian state. And guess what? And you're living under the under the rule of a minority. And you just said this very well. When when minority rules majority, that's the problem. And when it's come to this, you know, we'll ask a question: Can I be the Christian in Australia and hold public position? Reason one. Of course, it should be. Yes, because I, I live to that effect, you know, and this is what I like about your article. People who don't understand, once when you start digging into religion and you start outcasting people because they have a different views or different beliefs when it comes to religion, there will be some type of the of the of the conflicts amongst the people. And I lived mm-hmm. in Yugoslavia, it was a you know a part of independence, it was Orthodox versus Catholics, Catholics versus Muslims, it was always have this religious connotation and that hate, it's just amazing. Eh? How is the life in Melbourne now, George? Uh, look, it's returned to some form of normality. But, you know, um, look, Melbourne went through one of the most horrific periods in its history yes. over the past two years. And you had a, you had a state that was, that was effectively one of the most livable states or cities in the world. Yeah. Now, I think I, I, I read somewhere the other day that... Uh, Melbourne is now the 50th most livable city in the world. Now, three years ago, it consistently ranked as the most livable city in the world. You had a premier that was, um, was hell-bent on yeah. power and control. And none of this is anything about COVID. Now, people are going to think I'm an idiot. That's okay, right? Yes. Um, but none, nothing that he ever did was geared towards the health and the protection of Victorians. Now, I'm happy to have this argument with people, but yes. what what was what was what was the health of Victorians that you know he was so focused on? Because when you were told, for example, um, and this is part of the brainwashing, right? Yes, um, you need to stay in your homes. You can only go out for an hour a day. Um, don't you know? Um, wear a mask. Hand sanitizer, and people bought into it. And don't talk on social media because you can arrest, being arrested. I think Melbourne was just played mostly as a most rated police city on the planet. But what they never told you really was um, that the masks don't work. Yes. uh, That uh, you know when I when we want you to line up for. um, you know, for your PCR testing. Yes. Well, they never implemented social distancing. You saw, you saw people crammed up right next to each other. That's correct. Or when you, or when you uh, go into a, you know, um, into a shop, for example. Yes. Uh, you would, um, you would, you know, if you sat down, it was okay not to wear a mask, but if you stood up, you had to wear a mask. Yeah, well, I was, or, I, was surpri- um, I was surprised, you know, in Melbourne during lockdown, like in Sydney. You know, we always been told what to do, but in, you can go in the shop buy the the, the alcohol galore, was no problem. You know what I mean? But if you need to go into chemist, well, that was a problem because that was a difference. You know, and you live in the most challenging times. But one thing I want to share with our listeners, and I say like this is the podcast is about with the team from victim to victor. And I don't say you need to be victim in the terms you know you're being bashed by police or. You know, the life brings the obstacles, and that's the victim. You know, we're always victims of our mm. success or our failures. 
But one thing with the George Hazim and his crew in former TV display, it's resilience. And for those who won't understand what resilience it is, resilience is an active courage in absence in when absent anything else. And George displayed this with his team. It's it, it is difficult. I say like not because I'm not George and uh, and some of the of the his crew members, but these people continuously grinding and try to bring different perspective on your news and informations and everything else. But George, do you think that Melbourne's going to come back to some senses after elections, or are we are expecting being again the same party, same premier, and well, <laughs> well. Um... Look, in the end, that's up to the Victorian public. Yes, um, but you know, you've got a you've got a premier that has um, that has a firm hold on Victoria, and you have an op- you have an opposition that is inept mm. in many ways. Interesting, yeah. Um, and if there was a strong opposition, I think you'd find a different story. But the the reality is, Andrews has a reasonably firm grip on Victoria. Now, you know, had you asked me that question, uh, you know, 18 months ago, I would have said he had a very firm grip on Victoria, but that grip has dwindled. Yes. But has Matthew Guy, for example, done enough to, um, you know, to really yeah. change the way Victorian voters are going to think? I don't think so. That's a tragedy. But the tragedy is, George, you agree with me that same main be on the power for decade and a half and promising, promising, promising. Like this is what my worry is that people are voting for the same person over and over again and nothing is changing except uh, uh, we're sinking to more depth in and more inadequate lifestyle in Melbourne. Yeah. And Victoria. Well, look, sorry, sorry for talking about the top of you, Murray. Yeah. You know, Victoria, you know, needs change, but change yeah. for the better. Now, yes. whether, whether, um, Victoria, if Labor does win, yes, and Andrew loses his seat, well, that's almost a win-win in some way. Yes, if the opposition win, well, that's a you know that's a win of change. But the part that if the opposition do win, they've got to be different. Yeah, they've got to be different. They've got to, they've got to unite Victorians again, not divide them. Not divide uh, them. They've got to look. They've got to look towards establishing, you know, a you know, confidence back in the state. Yes. And confidence back in the economy. And and trust. Back and in, trust, yeah. Back in. Now, there's none of that. Now, if you go back to the earlier question about, you know, about the pandemic, well, the message they were running, if you thought through it logically, I may as, you know, you may as well have dressed up in a hazmat suit and not breathe the air. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> no, seriously. You know, what yeah. oxygen mask because... Yes. Effectively, you were being told, well, don't go outside, because yes. if you go outside, you breathe the air, you're going to catch COVID. Yes. Now, the madness is, and I apologise if I offend anybody here, but the yes. madness is, you still see people in Melbourne, even though masks are no longer applicable, they're still wearing masks. So how effective is it? The question becomes, how effective has their brainwashing? Very easy. Very easy. Yeah, very easy. Like I agree with you. It's, it's a brainwash. And uh, three days ago in the European Parliament, the uh, Pfizer director, executive director of Pfizer, this lady, she stated that vaccine doesn't prevent the transmission, never been tested, 
and people are still don't understand the gravity of a situation and this is That's what right. i can't comprehend that you know are we are really that brainwashed and we believing you know that anything can be sold to us but question in in hindsight you know benefit of, in hindsight of you know talking to you i know that how active person you are healthy so george how do you keep yourself healthy and sane please share with our <laughs> without without listeners because that's like i know the answer partially but ladies and gentlemen if you're looking to be healthy you need to do that as a george does george share with us how many times per day you train <laughs> oh look look you know look okay I, i run regularly i run about you know, 20 k's a day and i and i do a form of martial arts yes but i'm still a novice at it though mario okay. I mean, I'm a <laughs> George, for the end, the the hard question for you: Why the people should include themselves in watching and listening and reading the news from the informa TV? Why you guys are the best source of information? Because because we tell it as it is, Mario, and we That's and it. we get different voices. We rather than going flocking to the same voices that mainstream will flock to, we look for different views, different opinions. And we're always challenging the narrative, just like you're doing, and yes. the great work you're doing, Mario. Yeah, thank you, George. And you know, we have you on the Informed every every week, every Thursday. That's and, great. And you, know, and you and you know about the you know the, the subject matters we challenge and the subject yes. matters we issue. But here's something that you should you should um you please should your please share. Yes, about is what's happening globally and how close are we? And it's going to sound like I'm scaremongering, but I'm not. Because I think this is an issue people should really think about: is if we don't push back on what our global global leaders are doing, how close are we teetering on the edge of a third world war? Very close, very close. That's a question. That's a subject I'd like to discuss with you for the next five minutes, if you can. Absolutely, George. Please share with us. Well, you think about it, right? We're not being told that. Look, look. If you what what I think people don't realise is that. That you know, America using Russia as a proxy, uh, America using the Ukraine as a proxy against Russia, and what they're attempting to do uh, is boxing Putin into a corner. Now, Putin, people say Putin's mad, but he's—I don't think he is. But people really don't—I don't think people really examined or into the issue of geopolitics enough, and just how important uh, you know the Ukraine is to Russia. Yes, uh, from a geopolitical and a, and, a, and a national security perspective, and um, what the US have been doing to escalate this matter. You know, I mean, if, if people really understood, they did their research, they'll understand that in June this year, on June 10, that the Americans ran the Sixth Fleet was right in that very area where uh, the the Nord Stream pipeline blew up. Yes, and the, the Sixth Fleet were conducting um, you know, explosive exercises. And the mission was called the Ball Tops 2022, and then you had uh, effectively uh, you know, two days or two, three days before the, that drunk before the, uh, the the pipeline blew up, you had you know uh, a, a Ukrainian drone boat wash up on Russian shores, and then you had back in on that on two days after that you had a you know a, a PA Poseidon uh, naval. Um, jet flying above that very spot, the very hour 
those yes. explosives to a plate, and there was air traffic data that confirms it. And then, and then guess what? But back in February this year, you had Joe Biden telling the world if Russia invades the Ukraine, there will be no Nord Stream 2. Now, it's all circumstantial, right? But people need to think seriously about That's a, that's a that's a good observation George that's a that's a very good observation i think that world it is on a brink of destruction and it's easy for many people to talk about war sitting in the comfort of their home watching tv and i can now resonate with the people because when i was in the war i never understood why people cheating this or this way don't understand this way it's a, it's it's false it's false news and it's a psychological warfare and what we're seeing in ukraine it's It is literally uh the the the, the west versus east um we're seeing that a lot of money and everything has been dropped in ukraine in in the quantity we can't even imagine and nobody nobody questioned what biden said in february instead of this it was not only one was that that lady i think she was a minister of finance she stated as well and sure. now they you know i mean because you know it doesn't make a sense for nobody for me it doesn't make a sense either that putin will uh invest for somebody for somebody to Uh, do that type of exercise to blow up the pipe on such a depth and everything else required not just uh just explosive requires uh re- requires the uh, logistics regards you know it's a lot of money and effort needs yeah. to be done in those these things so george well, for, yeah so well you just think about as an uh, just quickly before um i'm sorry for talking out the top of you and then you also yeah. look at uh what the americans have done during at the end of the Cold War, they put whole Russians, uh, they put whole tracking systems. They were able to tell them where Russian submarines were heading. Yes. So they can actually they can actually hear them. And people say, oh, well, the Russian subs would have known. But the Americans would have known very, very clearly what they were up to if they had yeah. been a Russian. Because am I, if I, am I right in saying this, that the Russian subs make a whole lot of noise? That they do. Is that true? Look, they do. The, the bottom line, for the people that understand, the Russia was not, you know, like we, we, we're hearing from the February, uh, uh, Putin has a cancer, they're dying, they have no weapons, they have no this, they have no nothing. And I always say to people, one thing, there's a one tribe, you know, it's the Russians, there's a multiple tribes on the other side, which is the West. Russia is armed to the teeth. Doesn't matter, it's an AK-47 or it's a most advanced assault rifle. Bullet kills the people. And this is what I... Though people don't understand, once when this uh, conflict spill in some other places, which I can see it's going to happen in in Belarus right now, I mean, it's going to be Armageddon. And I wish everybody to watch more informative TV, George Hazim and his crew, for which I'm very grateful to take part every Thursday. Um, and I learned quite a lot from George Hazim. So, George, thank you very much for being my guest today. I'm very aware of your time. And you know we should supposed to start earlier interview, but there was some technical problems. No, no, no. But, it's all good, Mario. But thank you, and uh, for being the, such a great man, such a great mentor, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna drop the comment in comment section below how you can contact the George and uh, Informa TV. So, George, thank you very much for being my guest today. Mario, thank you for having me on, and thank you for the great work that you do. And you're an absolute amazing <laughs> man, buddy. Thank you, George. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. No. Truth seekers and all risk takers. Resilience is an act of courage. This gentleman, George Hazim, and his production house, Informa TV, the show and display the true courage and resilience. Thank you, George. Thank you, Mara. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, as always. Thank you, George.